Welcome to the Focus Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that it inspires you and gives you a fresh perspective. Enjoy the sermon. I hope you're ready for God's Word. Before we get into God's Word, it is our offering weekend, and I just want to share with you kind of where some of your generosity is being positioned uh, for the kingdom. I have a picture of my friend Eric that I want to show you. He was in a medical-induced coma due to continual seizures this year. He was running a fever and had blood clots in his right arm and in his right leg. He had an infection in his head where cancer had been removed. And Eric had to go under, uh, undergo surgery to remove that infected area on his skull. And uh, along with his wife, Debbie, and their son, Nolan, they drive from Carthage to attend this church over 90 minutes every single Sunday. The service is actually shorter than their commute each way. If you think about that, they spend less time in the service than they do in, on the road. So to God be the glory uh, that people are willing to drive that far. Some of you will hit a snooze bar on me and you live three miles away and these people drive 90 minutes, 90 minutes to, to attend church. And we've been contending for the miraculous for several months. He was air, airlifted from Sanford to Chapel Hill and Debbie had to drive back and forth from Carthage to, to Chapel Hill and they have a son who's in, who's in school and so having to educate him. And As you can imagine, the expenses begin to mount up when you have someone undergoing such severe medical uh, procedures and in the hospital for so long. And I called them this week and I said, hey, Debbie, I, I'm about to meet with the most generous church in Raleigh on Sunday and we're about to receive a year-end offering. And I'm going to go ahead and, and front load. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay it forward before the offering is ever even received. Can we cover $1,500 of your bills this month? And uh, so that's what we went ahead and did. We covered $1,500 of bills for the Bartow family. So the offering today at least needs to be $1,500, okay, uh, to help them. And uh, I know that we can't always give everyone $1,500 in bills, so don't be sending me an email. You know, I'm, I'm sick too. I, 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 we do our very best to accommodate every need, but they were, they were months without a, a job. They, she was months uh, traveling back and forth to visit him in the hospital and to sit with him. And he's been without his job now for months. He's my son's golf instructor. He's a golf pro. He works at a golf course and, and he's just been without work. And as you can imagine, it's just been really tough on the family. So we were able to give them $1,500 to help offset some of their bills. And that's us together. That's not me. That's not uh, me personally. That's us corporately as a church saying, you know what? We see a need. We're going to meet it. And when you're generous, you allow us as a church to help people in need immediately. And we're doing our very best to meet those needs across the city through our partnerships and through our outreach partners. And then sometimes even within our own family, we help meet those needs. So thank you in advance for what you're going to do today through our year-end offering. And I'll give you some specific instructions and you'll hear one more story before the end of today. But I just wanted you to know that um, we've already started spending the money we are going to be receiving today. And I know that seems counterintuitive, but I just believe that you are so generous. And I believe that you're going to give so big that we can go ahead and start believing God for him to do the miraculous in you and through you. And if you have a copy of God's word, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2. If you grew up in the Pentecostal church, you know where I'm about to go. Um, Acts chapter 2 is when 
the Holy Spirit and fills the early church. It's the birthplace of the first church, and the first church is our blueprint. The first church should be our design. The first church should be our model. We shouldn't be modeling after an existing church that's here on the earth today, but instead go all the way back to the Bible. How did they have church? What did the church do? How did the church behave in Acts chapter 2? We're going to take our cue from them today. Today's message will be more on the prophetic side. If you don't know uh, what that means, I'm going to be declaring things in the spirit, in the atmosphere, to our future that I believe the enemy has tried to steal over the past year. I believe he's been at work over the past year trying to steal three things, and I want to take back three things that I think we should all take back in 2021 as a church and as individuals. I believe that our best days are in front of us, and the devil will not win. He will not conquer. He will. His plans will not be executed here on the earth, but instead God will see us through, and God will accomplish his purpose and his, and his intention on this earth. It will take our tenacity, our spiritual tenacity to ensure that the devil does not attack us in these three areas. And it's going to take a lot of work to ensure that we as the church are, 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 are bold, unified, and generous to make sure that he does not come against us. And I believe that it's so important that you get this message because I'm going to identify the three things that I believe the devil tried to steal in 2020. And I'm going to believe that we will take them back in 2021. Can I get an amen from anybody in this church today? Let's look at how the early church did it in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 37 through 47. When the people heard this, Peter had just preached a really long sermon. They, cut, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? This should be our response whenever the Lord speaks. What should we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. I love that we serve an inclusive God. He doesn't just promise you something. He promises your, you and your children something, and he also promises your distant uncle who is far off something as well. I'm grateful for a God that has promises in abundance. I'm grateful for a God that has promises not just for me because I'm saved, but for those that are also far off, the gift of the Holy Spirit is also for them. So by the end of this service, if you're far off, you will have experienced the gift of salvation and the gift of the Holy Spirit and I am believing wholeheartedly that you will sense the promises of God through the power of his Holy Spirit. And it says this, and for all who call our Lord, God will call. With many other words, meaning he spoke for a long time. Praise God for short sermons. Some of you are like, amen, preacher. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted the, his message were baptized and about 3,000, about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Would you believe with me for revival that the Lord would begin to add to our number those who are being saved and baptized? I don't know about you, but when I was 24 years old, young and ignorant but full of faith, we came here believing that God would do the impossible. We came here believing that nothing would stop the plans of God when we started this church. And I believe that 2021, we will see revival, that more than 3,000 people will be added to our number, that the God, I, I, I believe that you should stand with Ashton and I, believing that we will see revival. Our faith is positioned. Our faith is strong to see an outpouring of God's Spirit again 
on this earth. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. About 3,000 were added to the number that day. Verse 42, almost finished. What do you do when you have 3,000 people come to your church in one day? Well, you devote yourselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together. They were together and had everything in common. Imagine that, a world without polarization. Imagine that, a world diverse but not divided. Imagine that, a world together with everything in common. A a, a church so kingdom-minded that the color of your skin didn't make us think twice about how we treated you. A church so united that how you voted didn't make me think twice about how to lead you or pastor you. Everyone was filled with many all and wonders and all the believers were together and they had everything in common and they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. That's what we're doing today with our year-end offering. We're making sure that our resources are not stopping at us, but instead moving through us. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together. Praise God that eating is biblical. I just want to thank the Lord for just a second that it didn't say that they fasted together. Come on, somebody. Hey. Come on. Somebody's like, I received that preacher. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. I don't know, when, when, when you're praising God, is it something that's favorable or is it uh, not favorable? Make sure that your countenance, your face, and your praise is favorable of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Father, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your outpour- the outpouring of your spirit that we've experienced, that we will continue to encounter. I pray you would give me boldness to preach. I pray you would help me as we dive in to your word as we look at the early church and the blueprint that they set for how we should behave moving forward as of this day onward. Give us a great sense of unity. Give us a great sense of boldness and give us a great sense of generosity today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you'd like to leave early today, I'm going to go ahead and give you the three things that I believe that... uh, that the devil has tried to steal from us this year. That way, in case you want to go catch a football game or something like that, you can just say, oh, I already know what he's going to say, and uh, I already got the notes. But the three things that I believe the devil has attacked, uh, uh, not just this church, but the church, and it is uh, unity, boldness, and generosity. Boldness, unity, and generosity. I believe that those things, maybe they haven't been attacked, maybe they've been reprioritized, maybe they've been adjusted, maybe they've been reallocated, maybe they've been repositioned, maybe they've been reprioritized. I don't know how you want to describe those three things, but I believe that there has been a sense of loss in those three areas, a loss of boldness, a loss of unity, and a loss of generosity, but I will not let the devil win in 2020. And I will not step into 2021 without a a pure sense of why we exist and what we will overcome. I talked to someone on the phone who who, uh, came to the first service here at East Raleigh, and she said, I haven't been to church since March, but I had to bring my offering. I said, praise God. And it's interesting because some people have been fighting for boldness, fighting for unity, or fighting for generosity, and I'm so grateful that she made the trip to church in order to sow a seed. And I'm grateful that you made the trip to church in order to sow a seed. But before we get into the offering, I want to talk about the boldness that the Bible speaks of 
Because the boldness that started this will be the spirit that expands it. When I tell you that every single breathing person that I came in touch with in the early days of this church was a potential church member, it was insanity. Like, if you had a pulse, you had a purpose. And you would look at the drummer at our church in the early days, and you would see his eyes, and you know that he wasn't praying on Saturday night. You know that he was out there doing extracurricular activities. But I didn't care because I had a boldness for the gospel. And I said, well, where else is he going to hear the gospel? If he's good at the drums and I'm going to preach, might as well get him here to play the drums so I can boldly proclaim the gospel. If you would have seen some of the ragtag, ragamuffin people that we had setting up and tearing down the church, you would have said, wow, how did y'all make it? It was out of the boldness and the passion for the gospel that we made it this far. And I don't want to get so stuck on committees and board meetings and, and comfort and, 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 and concerns and, and preferences that we neglect the boldness that started the church. If we're not careful, it will become more preferential than it will become passionate. If we're not careful, it will become more uh, commercialized, more systematized than it will spiritualized. And what I want is I want the boldness that started this church to be reignited in 2021 to where every single person that has a pulse has a purpose. If I saw you praying over your meal, I would go find out if you were going to church somewhere or not. I would go and I'd say, I saw you praying over that broccoli cheddar soup here at the Panera Bread. Uh, do you have some sort of fellowship that you belong to or are you looking to join a church? Because I know exactly the church that you're called to join. God loves you and I got a plan for your life. That's what I used to tell people all the time. Why? Because I, the boldness that existed in the early days was the, is the spirit that's going to take this church to the next phase. I'm reminded of Pastor Robert Spradley, the, the gentleman who at 28 years old came here. This was an Arabian horse farm. There was only two buildings on this building, on this property here at East Raleigh, and you'll see them as you exit. It was the refuge building and the barn. And they, they bailed hay out of that barn and had services in it the following week while it still smelled like horse manure. Why? Because they had the boldness to proclaim the good news of Jesus, and no hay or horse manure was going to stop them. I want to get that back in 2021, where we proclaim the good news of Jesus, no matter the cost. No matter the Do you remember when you were boldly in love with Jesus? Before your kid's sports team had a schedule that was ridiculous? Before you got married and had children and had bills to pay and responsibility, do you remember the boldness that you had when you first came upon the cross at Calvary? I want that boldness to be reinstilled into this church in 2021 to where no one gets by with their eternal destiny not being secured in heaven. I pray that you would sense the smoke from hell in your nostrils at every cash register you go to in case someone doesn't know where they will stand at the end of their life. It is going to be up to us. I pray that you would lose sleep until someone gets saved in your family. Oh, I don't know about you, but I'm tired of 2020, but I'm not going to go into 2021 with timidity, with fear, with, with some embarrassment. I will boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and the grace that is for the sinners, both the Jew and the Gentile. He came for all of us. 
Don't you forget that you belong to a kingdom and you should violently take it by force and push back darkness. Don't get casual with your commitment next year. Don't you get casual with your church attendance. Instead, you need to push back darkness. I believe that your boldness has been repositioned this year and it needs to be set back into alignment. It's amazing how bold people will be about their political preferences. But I haven't seen anything about your passionate love for the Lord on your Facebook this week. I just, it's amazing to me. I talked to someone this week. They gave $100,000 to a campaign this year. $100,000. In my head, I'm thinking to myself, if you could give that much to a political party, how much could you do for the kingdom of God? Let us not let our boldness, let us not let our boldness be positioned here on earth, but instead, store up your treasures in heaven. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of my boldness being where I stand, an earthly man. I'm tired of my boldness being positioned as to where I stand on something that is earthly. But instead, I want my boldness to be positioned for the things that are eternal. And so if you will boldly defend someone in office or who's about to be in office or who's running for office, then you should boldly defend Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord of Lords, our King of Kings, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. Mm, don't get me started. If you, will, if you will be bold about your political stance, you should be even more bold about your spiritual stance. Mm. It just scares me where the church has positioned their boldness. And I'm going to take it back in Jesus' name. I am taking boldness back. Justin Timberlake has a song. It's called Bringing Sexy Back. We're not bringing sexy back in 2021. We're bringing boldness back in 2021. The boldness to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. Every Sunday is Easter Sunday in Jesus' name. Every time you interact with someone, the good news of the gospel should be on your face. I don't care if you're wearing a red hat. I don't care if you're wearing a blue hat. I don't care what political party you're affiliated with. Is your boldness allocated towards the gospel or is your boldness allocated to things here on earth? I want my boldness to be allocated towards the gospel. I want my boldness to be allocated towards the gospel. Ephesians 3.12 says, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly, confidently into God's presence. What a gift from God that you don't have to go through me. I'm not the pope. Guess what? You don't have to pray to me and me pray to the Father. I don't have to be your filter to the presence of God. I'll, I'll, I'll contend for the miraculous with you. I'll stand alongside of you. I will pray with you all day long. But guess what? You don't need me to approach the throne room because my Bible says that you can come boldly and confidently into God's presence. If you don't believe me, let me continue. Matthew 27, it says, When Jesus cried out, 
again in a loud voice. He gave up his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks split. This is a symbol that before Jesus died, you needed to have the priest go into the temple on your behalf. But now that Christ has died, you no longer need a priest to go for you on your behalf. But instead, you can come boldly and confidently into the presence of God. You don't even need a church service to come into the presence of God. This should be a celebration of the presence that you've already been in. This is the overflow of the temple you made in your prayer closet, of the temple you made in your car during traffic. This is just a celebration. This is not penance to the Pope. If I pray through my pastor, then it'll get to God. Hate to tell you, hate to break it to you. I put my pants on the same way you do. Every time I get in my wife's car, it's always out of gas. So say, I, sometimes I got to discipline my kids too. I might be the pastor, but I'm not the Pope. You got me? You can come boldly and confidently into the presence of God. Some of you, the only time you get into the presence of God is here, and that's why you're spiritually depleted. You're, 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 you're so hungry, and, and, and when you get here, you, you kind of arrive late, and, so, and you kind of get distracted, so you only get like a sliver of what God has for you, and it's important that you make a throne room in your house so that you can come boldly and confidently into God's presence without fear or hesitation. The, the veil has been torn. It's been torn. It's been torn. As a matter of fact, it says in Hebrews 4.16, so let us come boldly to the throne room of our gracious God. There... We will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. I don't know if you need grace, but I need grace. I don't know if you need mercy, but I need mercy. And the only place to find that mercy is not on Amazon Prime. It's not on, it's not on Prime Day. It is in the presence and throne room of God, and they don't ship that from a, from a store. It comes when you get on your knees and get on your face before the Lord, and you seek his face, and you come boldly and confidently before the Lord. Oh, I was thinking about boldness. I was thinking about access to the presence of God. You know, I don't have to knock at my own house. To get into my own house, I don't have to ring the doorbell. What if we arrived at my house at the same time, I invited you over and we came to my house at the same time, and I just rang the doorbell? You'd say, don't you live here? You'd say, you'd say, you'd say isn't your name on the lease or the mortgage? Why are you ringing the doorbell at your own house? And I'd say, you're right. This is my house. My kids, they know that. They, they leave all the doors open. I come home after the garage door wide open. Like, people can see your bike, you know. They will come boldly and confidently <laughs> into a house that is not theirs and take your bike. <laughs> you don't have to knock or ring a doorbell into the presence of God. You've already been granted access when you got saved, the Christ that came and died, when the veil was torn. You don't have to ring the doorbell. Oh, I just need to get warmed up. No, you can come boldly and confidently and speak and speak with boldness and confidence the things that you believe God is going to do. My children will be saved. My children will be healthy. My parents will live long. I will be blessed. I will be favored. Let us not lose boldness. I'm getting my boldness back. I don't know about you, but I'm getting my boldness back. Mm. Acts 4.31 says, After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, 
And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Boldly. We need boldness, church. We need boldness. The second thing is this, is that the unity that strengthens us will be the value that separates us. I love how unified they were. This is something you have to fight for. If there's anything that 2020 has taught me is that the polarization of our society is razor, razor thin. And it just takes one thing to set people off. It takes one change to move people from friends to enemies. And I'm going to fight that unity remain in the kingdom of God and in this house. And it's been one thing after another after another that the devil has tried to use to divide us. I will not let that happen on my watch. Maybe another preacher will side all on one side or all on the other. But this will be a unified movement. The Holy Spirit did not come until they were unified and together. I am fighting for unity. I've had meeting after meeting, and I will have meeting after meeting fighting for unity. You might not like the way that so-and-so said this or so-and-so did this or our approach to reopening or our mask or not mask. Just wait. The vaccine is coming, and there's going to be a whole other attempt at trying to divide the church. And if you think the mask or the vaccine or the curfew or the political things or the social justice, all those things, if you think those things are a big deal, wait till the Lord comes and he begins to divide the wheat and the chaff and the sheep and the goats because you want to talk about polarization. You better be on the right side. I don't got time to argue about mask or no mask when eternity is at stake. I don't got time to argue about red or blue or, or this or that. I am, am here to declare that the kingdom of God is at hand, and we must boldly and confidently take it by force, and we have to fight for unity. Amen. People leaving the church for excuses that are not biblical, that are not in alignment with God's word. People trying to divide the house of the Lord, and it's not right. And I will stand, and I will, talk, I will meet with you 12 times if that's what it takes. And we can have our differences, but we can still be united. Why? Because we can be diverse and not divided in Jesus' name. We can worship alongside people that don't look like us. We can worship alongside people that didn't vote like us. We can worship beside people that have masks on, don't have masks on. Are you going to take it? Or am I going to take it? When will it be? I don't want us to live in a divided church. May the, the world look to us as an example of how to coexist in the kingdom regardless of our earthly preferences. Term limits, folks. It's only going to be for four years. Whether you're happy or sad, it's only going to be for four years. It's true. But eternity is forever. There is no term limits. Therefore, I'm going to fight with, with, for, for unity as much as I possibly can. It's got to align with God's word, obviously. We have to journey through that. We have to work through that. But I am sick and tired of people attempting to divide us while we should be the most united we've ever been. My cell phone number, if you want to write this down, is 919-912-6499. Public record, 
Mike at focus.church. I am willing to meet with you for as long as it takes for us to at least come into agreement and alignment as to what the Lord is calling us to do. I'm not going to play these games. I'm not going to do it. I am not called to bring division. I am called to bring unity. It says that they were all together in one accord. And only then was the Spirit able to be uh, outpoured. He was not, the Spirit was not poured out until they were together. Doesn't mean we have to be in, in uniformity, but we do need to be in unity. Hello? It's important because <laughs> the wedge is just getting wider and wider. And the church must grow closer and closer and closer and closer and closer. And I'm fighting for it. It's, it's, like, it's like marriage. If you got married, you realize that it, you don't, your, your gravitational pull isn't closeness. Your gravitational pull is to be separated. And so what do you have to do? Schedule it. What do you have to do? Fight for it. What do you have to do? Say no to things that don't matter and say yes to the things that do matter because our gravitational pull is not unity. Our default setting is not unity. Our default setting is individualism, is, is division. But I want this church's default setting to be unity in Jesus' name. That's why we can worship together. That's why, that's why you can look around this room and you can see the, a picture of heaven because it's not a picture of earth. And the, when the world looks at this, they say, how in the world are they able to worship together? And it's only by the unity that comes through the spirit of, of our God. We got to fight for it, church. Got to fight. I'm, I'm, I'm begging you. I'm pleading with you to fight for unity in the spirit. You can have your differences. You can have, you can, you can have opposing opinions. But when it comes down to it, we serve one God whose son is Jesus, who died for all of our sins, both the Jew and the Gentile alike, both both the circumcised and the uncircumcised, whichever side you are on, it does not matter. We are called to be one. It was Jesus' final prayer. He said, Father in heaven, make us one. Got to fight for it. Got to fight for some relationships. I've lost a lot of people this year, people close to me, not just like to church attendance. That I pastor this church with an open hand, but like people in my life, friendships that were close to me. And I had to fight for unity. I have to fight for that. You have to fight for that. It's not to mean that everybody's going to be your best friend or everybody's going to agree with you on your take on, on vaccines, but that's okay. We're fighting for unity in the spirit, fighting for it. Are you with me? We're going to fight for it. If you need to schedule an appointment, if, you have, if we have a difference, if you have a difference of opinion on something I've said or something I've done intentionally, unintentionally, you, you just got my email address. Just shoot me an email. Let's, let's talk. Let's, like, let's not let the sun set on our anger. Let's fight. For unity, because the unity that strengthens us will be the value that separates us. Not separates us internally, but it'll be our distinctive from the world. The world will look at us and say, wow, how did they pull that off? And it's only by the Spirit. And it has to be fought for. This church and its diversity is not something that happened uh, on accident. If you go to another church, most of the time, Sunday is the most segregated day of the week. But we fought for it, and I will continue to fight for it. And I'm okay that we didn't believe the same thing about earthly things as long as we're believing the same things about eternal things and their alignment, and they're, they're in alignment with God's word.
says in Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, it says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love, and make every effort, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Verse 3, make every effort. Some of you just ghost people that are trying to make efforts in unity. Some of you just block people instead of making every effort to be unified. And I, I don't know about you, I want to make every effort. I gave you my cell phone number. I don't know of a preacher in America that would publicly broadcast his personal cell phone number to a congregation and to those watching online. But I am going to make every single effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. The last thing is this, is that the generosity that fuels us will be the action that frees us. The generosity that fuels us will be the action that frees us. Your giving will set you free. Your generosity will set you free. Free from having to live under the curse of not being blessed. It's not a bad thing to have for you to have wealth. It is a bad thing for wealth to have you. One more time. It's not a bad thing for you to have wealth. I believe God wants you blessed and prosperous, but it is a bad thing for wealth to have you. This is why we give, so that wealth can't have us. We can have wealth, but wealth can't have us. And I'm believing that today we're going to break the back of lack over generations when we give because we're sowing a seed. We have to be a generous church, not partially generous, but completely. If we're not giving, we're not growing. The moment we begin to hold tightly to the things that God has given us is the moment we're, we, we, are, we are squelching and, and suffocating the blessing of God on our life. It's amazing to me. You can look at a, someone who is suffering and hurting, and you ask, when's the last time you were generous? And they say, I've never, I can't afford to give. And I would venture to say you can't afford not to give. Maybe not giving has put you in the position that you are in. Like generosity is the way out of poverty. And I know it sounds counterintuitive, but it is kingdom. And we're not here for the structure of this world. We're here for the structure of the kingdom. And generosity is the way out of poverty. As a matter of fact, it, it says in 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19, it says, as, a, as for the rich in this present age, charge them to not be haughty nor set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches like the stock market or real estate, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. I'm so grateful for the things that God provides us to enjoy. They are to do good and to be rich in good works and to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Proverbs eleven twenty four says this, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. What? When I give freely, I get richer? Bible says he's never seen the righteous forsaken, nor the descendants of Abraham begging for bread. When I give, I become more rich, which is a crazy concept because the world would tell you to consume, 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 and not give, give, give. But what the Lord would say is the more you give, 
the more you live. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. I'm going to share with you a story of my friend Mike, who the Lord taught him this lesson here at the church. Take a look at the screens. My name is Mike, and this is my story. My wife and I, we've been going to focus for a little over a year now. About a year ago, Pastor Mike gave a service about tithing. During the service, he said, this is the one time where you can test God about tithing, and he'll just pour out blessings. I grew up in church my whole life, but before I got married, I was never obedient with tithing. I always thought we could use the money for something else. As a man, as a husband, we can use it for this, we can use it for that. And during the service, I thought, oh, okay, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna test you, God. Two weeks later, I bought a truck. Not new, not old. Well, three weeks later, my truck breaks down. It came out to be a $4,000 repair. The same week, same week, my wife's car broke down. Her transmission went out. As a husband, I start to think, what am I gonna do? I gotta provide for my family. That is my main goal, is to provide, to do whatever I can. I'm starting to think, I gotta start pick up another job, just work my tail off. During this whole fiasco, I suffer from anxiety and depression. All these voices start coming in saying, you're not gonna make it, you're not gonna provide. Also, during the message, Pastor Mike said, if you feel like you haven't been blessed from God, we will 100% give you your tithe back. That started ringing into my head. All these thoughts, you can use that money to pay the bills, you can use this, you can use that. Part of me just wanted to scream. And there's this voice in the side of my head, so soft, saying, be still, keep pushing, keep being obedient with the tithing, and you'll see. So I started to realize that was God talking to me. I kept tithing, I just kept going, didn't matter. I started to see God's hands here and there. I started to open up my eyes to how much he's already blessed us. I started to see that we've blessed with a roof over our head. We're blessed to have food on the table. We're blessed with jobs. We're blessed with life. I see all these blessings just starting to pour out. Then I start to lead my wife. She starts struggling with all this stuff. She's stressed about the bills. She's stressed about how we're going to make ends meet. And I tell her, don't worry, God's got us. I send her this long text saying, what God told me, how we've been blessed with every little thing. Once I realized that, I just showed that to my wife. care of us. Come to find out those voices were wrong. By the grace of God, our warranty was covered for the transmission. Our warranty was totally taken care of. We didn't have to pay a dime. God is good. 
didn't have to worry about anything. Going back to my truck, a $4,000 repair came down to, we're gonna take care of parts because the truck was taking a little bit longer than expected. Then it came down to, we're gonna take care of most of it. All you gotta pay is a small portion. And it's that exact time, God bless me. He blessed us even more. Why even doubted? Why was he even thinking? I could use his money for something else. When he had his hand full of stuff for us, there's so much blessing a storehouse couldn't hold it all. So the Bible says it is true. And we've been blessed through thick and thin. God's got us covered. And now to this day, any dollar that comes into the house, we tithe it, we give it. When you feel like the world's stacked against you, give, give to the Lord and he'll open his hands of blessings upon you to where no building can contain it all. When you give to God, his blessings might not be what you think it is. It might not be a check in the mail, but when you look back and when you're obedient with tithing, I promise you, you'll be able to see where God's hands was during these moments. Blessing can come in all different shapes and sizes, all different forms, not just in the green. Give it to God and let him show you as he's shown me. Amen. Are you grateful for the faithfulness of God? I'll end with this. You can't serve God and money, but you can serve God with money. Hello? You can't serve God and money, but you can serve God with money. I'm going to ask that the team go ahead and bring the offering boxes and buckets to the front. I'm going to ask that everyone in attendance today grab either an envelope or a commitment card. Even if you already gave online, even if you have no intentions of giving to this church at all, you can grab a purple U card and you could just um, put a name of someone that you're praying for on the um, prayer request section. We've done our best to kind of spread these buckets out, but I do believe that there's something to be said about coming forward and a step of faith when you bring your gift today. You could put your regular tithe and offering in one of those purple envelopes. If you're giving a special offering to the This Is My Move campaign, grab one of these white envelopes. If you're not able to give, but you want to commit to giving in the future or at another time, this card covers all of those things. You can check the box at the bottom of the card that says I'm committing to begin slash continue to tithe. I'm giving to the year-end offering in 2020. You could put the amount that you'll give. And then I'm committing to give in 2021 as God provides above and beyond your regular tithe, monthly, quarterly, or one-time gift. People have asked me, where did the funds go? Well, you're sitting in a seat that was purchased with last year's funds. When you walked onto the property today, you probably walked over a, a concrete slab that was purchased with last year's funds. This year, we're making progress towards our journey towards debt freedom, and it's going to take a large amount of money to do the preliminary studies on that front portion of property here at East Raleigh on Destiny Drive. You'd be astounded 
at architectural fees, conceptual design, soil testing. Before, we, uh, uh, before a, a, a speck of dirt is ever even moved, <laughs> we're out quite a bit of money. And I want to get the party started. I want to get moving as fast as we can on this progress. We have a big vision here, and the vi if the vision was on this side, and where we currently are with our resources are here, there's a gap always between our, our vision and our resources. Your offering today helps close that gap. What you do is you get us closer to the vision that God has for us. And as soon as that gap gets closed, we, we dream bigger again, and we close the gap with our generosity again. So whether you're giving today $100, $1,000, $10,000, or $100,000, it's not about equal amount. It's about equal sacrifice. To some, $100 will be everything they have. To others, $10,000 would just be a little bit. I'm not looking for an equal amount today. I'm looking for equal sacrifice. Several people have already given. Several people have given gifts of $5,000. Some people have given even gifts of larger than that. And I just want to encourage you to get in on this, whether it's a little bit or a lot. The amount is not, I'm not really worried about the amount. I'm worried about the sacrifice. That we could say together we made this move. Together we made this move. Once those beginning architectural renderings and conceptual design fees are all covered, we'll also use these resources to help fund our children's ministry and the curriculum that they use every single year. It's so expensive, but it's designed to help your kids, my kids, learn the Bible in an effective way. And we use some of those funds every year to fund the curriculum purchase for our, for our Orange Curriculum Program. Beyond that, we'll also always look to use these funds to upgrade and extend our reach through technology, whether that's improving the online experience or improving the in-person experience through technology. We always wanna make sure that we can give a clear an excellent picture of the gospel to those who might be far, far away. Last week, someone who doesn't even live in this state gave $5,000. Why? Because they believe in the vision. So maybe the Lord has already spoken to you. Maybe you need to take a minute and pray about what amount you might give. If you're still on the fence, maybe the Lord would have you move the decimal point, not in the wrong way, but in the right way. Some of you are like, okay. Lord told me. Go ahead and fill out one of these cards. Does everybody have something in their hand? Those that are watching online can go to givetofocus.com right now. Does everyone have something in your hand? Just show me that you have something in your hand. Just show me. Even if it's a U card, don't be embarrassed. You can, if you, even if you're giving online today, I want, I want you to take a step. I want you to take a step because it, it, it just matters to me. I think it matters to the Lord that we take a step. Zacchaeus had to come down from the tree in order for Jesus to go to his house. He had to take a step. Blind Bartimaeus, he says, son of David, have mercy on me. He says, tell him to come here. Tell him to come here. What, the blind man had to walk? Yes, before the miracle, he, Jesus made the blind man walk to Jesus. That's kind of rude, but what it did was it showed his level of faith. He calls the disciples out of the boat. He says, come to me. And only one of them decided to come out of the boat and take a step. And so the reason you're bringing your offering to the stage isn't because there's some like uh, magical atmosphere that happens where the carpet transitions here at the front. It's really about your movement towards generosity. 
So I want you to grab something, grab either an envelope, a commitment card, an envelope and a commitment card. Your regular tithe and offering can come in here. And this section to my left can come to these two buckets. I'll position this bucket over here so that there can be enough space. And just be very intentional about your movements. Obviously, we don't want to crowd around too much. There's that side over there. You guys can bring your gifts to this side and this middle section can bring it to the box. Why don't you stand to your feet and I'm gonna pray over you. Some of you, you'll be giving for the first time today and that's one of the most incredible things, one of the most incredible steps. Some of you are giving above and beyond your tithe for the first time and you're about to experience the blessing of God. The tithe is obedience, the offering gets the blessing. Can I teach for just a second? The tithe is obedience. That's off the top, that's, that's, that's a given for any believer. But the offering is what the Lord sees and blesses. This is blessing right now. Hold your card up or your envelope up or whatever you have in your hand. Father, may generations look back to this day, say I'm grateful for the faithful people of Focus Church who paved the way for me to encounter God. May the salvations and the baptisms and the testimonies and the thank you lines in heaven be so long because of what we are about to do today. Whether it's 10, 100, 1,000, 10,000, whatever the amount is, I pray that it won't just be for the church, but it would go through the church to help meet the needs of those who are in need. And that this ministry and this church would be free from the bondage of, of debt, and we would be able to freely minister to people all around the world with no restraint. We wouldn't know anything to anyone by the time we're done here. And I just pray for a, a miracle. Some people are sowing a seed for a miracle in their family. I pray for that miracle right now, that that person would come to know the Lord, that that marriage would be restored, that that body would be healed. Just pray you would do what only you could do, God. This isn't really about us giving to a building or to a fund. This is us breaking the back of lack and stepping into boldness, unity, and generosity in 2021. I speak blessing over their children, blessing over their household. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for today's podcast. This ministry is made possible because of the generosity of so many people like you. To partner with us, you can click the link in our description or visit www.givetofocus.com. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe now or share it with a friend. For more inspirational content, subscribe to our YouTube channel, www.youtube.com slash Focus Church. Join us next week for another incredible message.